0: Alright, well, uh, it's good to be back with you here this evening. Uh, and uh, we are going to be in Hebrews uh, chapter 11 this evening. Hebrews chapter 11. I don't know if anybody got a restful afternoon, or maybe got a nap or anything like that. I, I was not able to do so. I had quite a lot of things I was trying to do in the afternoon. I was able to get my children to sleep and, and that but I was on the phone because we had just got that vehicle and I was trying to make sure that I would got insurance all swapped over and everything like that. So I was doing lots of phone calls. But um, hopefully you were able to get a good restful afternoon uh, ready for what God has for us this evening. We are going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. And I don't uh, know if you, if you do this or not, but if you could please stand for the reading of God's word. As we open to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to begin in verse 37. It says this, They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens of the caves, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise." God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Verse 1 of chapter 12, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. I I pray that as we open your word, uh, that we will have hearts that are open and ready, willing to learn, that we will not just be hearers of your word only, but to be doers as well. I pray that uh, your word will will uh, prick at our hearts and that we will be tender and uh, and be tender to the soft speaking voice of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you will help us to take action upon whatever it is that you are asking us to do uh, this evening. We love you, Father. Please be with everything that is said and done. May it be honoring and glorifying to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Now, I didn't because I didn't get a lot... Uh, of time this afternoon, I was trying to, to figure out if if there were certain things that you guys had here in, uh, in Canada that maybe they have in America. And uh, one thing that we were quite excited about in New Zealand uh, a couple years ago, we had got something that is very, very prominent in America. And I was trying to look it up to see if you guys had some here. You have similar things, just not these particular brands. But one thing that we got in New Zealand was a, a donut store and and particularly we got a Dunkin Donuts or Krispy Kreme I wasn't able to see if you guys had that here but I I saw some some different places that uh, you have donuts so what I want you to do with me is I want you to imagine maybe a donut store that you go to Okay, you're imagining that, that donut, whatever it may be. Now, for, for me, I enjoy the, the circular donut with a hole in the middle. I have to specify that because in New Zealand, our donuts are like hot dog buns with cream down the middle. That's kind of what they look like. They're not hot dog buns, but they look like hot dog buns with, with cream down the middle and then a little bit of, a, a, of cherry. Okay, that's, that's a donut. So, so when I saw, when I, when I imagine a donut here, I'm thinking circular donut, hole in the middle, Maybe some chocolate icing, some sprinkles on top. That's the kind of donut that, that I'm thinking of. And I want you to think of your favorite donut. Okay, you're there, you're, you're, you're in the line, or you're at the drive-thru, and you're imagining your favorite donut, and maybe your favorite hot drink. Okay? Now, I, me, I like hot chocolate. Uh, maybe you like coffee. My, life, my wife, she's a big coffee drinker. Me, not so much. I'm, I'm that hot chocolate kind of guy. So you're imagining that. You order, you place your order. You go through the drive-thru. You get up to the, to the window. You pay the person at the counter. And uh, you're waiting. And you're sitting there, maybe thinking about that hot, moist donut that you're about ready to have, that drink because it's so cold. You're waiting for that, that hot warmth to go down. And as the lady or the man is coming, bringing you the, these two items, you're ready, you're waiting. They open the door and they hand you... A banana and a glass of milk. Okay. And you might be sitting there kind of puzzled for a moment. You're seeing this banana and this glass of milk in your face and you go, um, excuse me, I didn't order that. I ordered this specific donut and this drink. And they go, they might look at you and they say, I know. But we care about our customers. We care about your health. And this is the, the healthiest choice for you. That is the healthiest choice. And you might look at them and go, I didn't come here to a donut store to get nutritional advice. I didn't come here for you to tell me how to live healthy. I wanted this donut and a hot drink. I paid you for this, and that's what I expect. I respect, expect results. And that's how we, we are. That's how we live. We expect results. When we, if I paid somebody to do a job, I expect a result. If I pay somebody to pay, paint my house, I don't, want to, to, I don't want to sit down with them and tell them the, all the hues and the different colors and, where, and this color goes there and this color goes there, then go on vacation or a holiday and come back and see a rainbow with a unicorn on my house. I don't want to see that. that that's not, so I'm going to get mad. I, I'm going to be like, you need to repaint this house. You need to do something. <laughs> this is not right. And when, and because of that, our mentality—we have this—I expect a certain result. If we're not careful, we can take that same thinking and apply it to God, and we can expect results from God. And tonight, we're going—I uh, wanted to see about our focus and uh, focusing on uh, our. The world here is focused on results now. Uh, There was a gentleman, a minister, Clovis Chapel in America, who used to tell the stories of two paddle boats that left Memphis, Tennessee. About the same time, they were traveling down the Mississippi River to New Orleans, and as they traveled side by side, sailors from one vessel made a few remarks about the snail's pace of the other vessel. Words were exchanged, challenges were made, and the race began. Competition became vicious as the two boats roared through the deep south. One boat began falling behind, not enough fuel. They had plenty of coal for the trip, but not enough for the race. And as the boat began to drop back, an enterprising young sailor took some of the ship's cargo and tossed it into the oven. Seeing that that it had burned as well as the coal, the, the other sailors began to fuel their boat with the materials that they had been assigned to transport. They ended up winning the race, but burned their cargo. And if we are not careful, we can begin our journey. Maybe God has been calling you to do something in your life, maybe asking you to, to do whatever it is. Maybe He's asked you to be a missionary or a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or whatever it is, serving the church in some area. And as you're going along the path that God has for you, if you're not careful, Satan can come along and try to sway your focus. Try to distract you from certain things. And these men, they got so focused on winning the race, they ended up burning the cargo that they had been assigned to deliver. And my question that I have for you this evening that I want you to think about is what is your priority when it comes to obeying God? What is your priority when it comes to obeying God? And so this evening we're going to look at three reasons to live a faith-driven life Rather than a results-driven life, faith-driven life, rather than a results-driven life. So, the first thing that we see when we come here and we're when we hear chapter eleven at the end of chapter eleven, we see these Old Testament believers. The first reason why we need to live a faith-written, faith-driven life is the Old Testament believers did not receive all that was promised to them. Now we see here they had been they. Had been given a promise, a promise that one day a Messiah would come, that that God would send the Messiah that would come to save them, to to die, you know, save them from their sins, and and uh, we they believed that promise. They all they had was what God had had told them, the promise that they had been given, and they looked towards that promise. They believed in that promise, and they lived their life. According to that promise, and the Bible says here that they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. These men and women were willing to die for a promise that they had not yet seen fulfilled. And yet, right now, today, we all sitting in this room, we have seen that promise fulfilled. We have seen Christ, we've seen God send His Son, Jesus Christ, to be born of a virgin, to be lived for 33 and a half years, a sinless, perfect life, but yet He was 100% man and 100% God. Then He died on the cross, took upon Him the sins of the world, and, and, and paid the penalty for our sins, so that if we but believe, realize that we're sinners, repent of our sins, call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, Thou shalt be saved. And that is the promise that we have been received. And then God gives us many many different uh, commandments. He says to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. And this, These are not, these are not uh, suggestions. These are commandments that God has given us to do. And yet many of us are too afraid, are scared, are worried about what people might think of us if we go in to tell them about what God has done about how he has died on the cross to make a way so that they can be 100% sure that when they die, they would have a home in heaven. And these men and women, they lived by faith. They died for something they had not even received yet. And yet many of us, we pray over and over and over and over for something. Maybe we're praying for a loved one to get saved and we've We've been praying for maybe decades to see this person get saved. And, and then Satan comes along and he, he, he puts a thought in your mind and he says, you know, you haven't seen this person get saved. What's the point? Why continue praying? You haven't seen it fulfilled. Maybe God doesn't answer prayer. And we, and we get these thoughts coming into our mind, but, but we need to remember that we have examples in the Bible we've been learning about this morning. We learned in Sunday school that we can look at the Bible and we can compare Scripture with Scripture. And we can see that God has answered prayer. God is faithful. God is, be, be, is with those who keep His commandments, that honor Him. That, and, and God will bless, the, bless you for this. And so when it comes to obeying God, no matter what it is, whether it's like we heard this morning, tithe, teaching a Sunday school class being in the church choir, singing a special, cleaning the church, when it comes to obeying God, serving God in whatever area, whatever aspect He has been working on your heart, asking you, begging you to do, when it comes to those things, what's your priority? Is, are, is your flesh, your desires, are those your priority? Or is it God? Do you, when God comes to you and asks you to do something, do you take a blank piece of paper and write out all the, 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 the specifications. You know, God, if I'm going to do this, I need this, I need this, I need you to do this, I need you to go here. And all these things. And then you, you say, okay, if you fill, fulfill all this, I'll, I'll sign at the bottom. Do you do that? Or do you just leave a blank piece of paper, sign it at the bottom and say, God, you fill in the blank. And I'll do it. Whatever it is you ask me. And I'll do it. What is your priority? See, these Old Testament believers, they endured afflictions, believing in the promise that to the world hadn't much proof. All they had was something that God said. God told them. All they had was what God had given them. All they had was this promise that was to come. They died for a promise that they hadn't seen come true. Would you be willing to give your life for something that hadn't happened yet. These Old Testament believers died for a promise that hadn't yet come to pass. They lived a life built upon faith instead of results. They could have said, God, I'm going to, I'll believe this if you show me a sign. I'll believe this if you just show me what's real and what's not. You just tell me here and I, you show me. Give me this big sign and I'll do it. And oftentimes we do that. God's, we've been, we're reading our Bible, we're praying, we're sitting in church, and, and the Holy Spirit is convicting us of something. Instead of just saying, okay, I'll do this, Lord. I'll, I'll go, I'll do this, I'll, I'll, I'll repent of this, whatever it may be. We say, okay, God, I want, I want absolute guarantees. You show me this sign. You, I mean, you just make it pop out, out of the Bible, just kind of like this sign. Say, do this. That's what I want to see, and then I'll do it. What is your priorities? You see, the second reason why we need to live a faith-driven life, rather than one that's based upon results, is God doesn't follow our plans, but His. God doesn't always fulfill His plans precisely when we want Him to, and He doesn't always fulfill His plans precisely the way we want Him to. You see... Like I was mentioning a few minutes ago, when there's many times people pray. They're praying for somebody to get saved. And they don't see that. And they've been praying for decades and decades and decades. And if you're not careful, Satan can convince you to stop. But I've, I've, I personally know people that have prayed and prayed and prayed for years. And then one day, they die. God takes them home. And they, don't see, they personally do not get to see that person saved. But then what happens? That person comes to their funeral. They saw how that person had lived their life. And they come to the funeral. They want to know a little bit more about this. They, they hear the pastor get up and preach the gospel. They repent of their sins and they get saved. And they accept Christ as their personal Savior. And that promise, they got, that promise was fulfilled. God answered that person's prayer, but it wasn't in that person's lifetime. They did not see it come to pass, and God does not always fulfill His plans precisely when we want Him to. Many times, uh, we we you uh, heard this morning about you know tithe, and we we in Malachi. I have it written down here somewhere in Malachi the Bible. The Bible talks about that. Um, I need to just turn there, sorry. I want to make sure. If you could turn there, please, with me. Malachi, I believe it's chapter... Actually, actually, wait. Sorry. Sorry, I was getting a bit sidetracked there. We'll we'll come back to that. Uh, God does not follow our plans, but His precisely when we want Him to. And God doesn't always fulfill His plans precisely the way we want Him to. You know, oftentimes uh, when when we're praying for something or or God's been working on our heart, God says, "Hey, I want you to start tithing. I want you to start tithing." And we say. Okay, God, you want me to tithe? Give me a million dollars. Give me a million dollars and I'll start tithing. And God doesn't work that way. God doesn't want, God, God doesn't say, hey, you, I'll give you this and then you start obeying me. God says, I want you to obey first and I want to see how you'll respond, how you'll react uh, to this. And sometimes he, he lets us hit a low points in our life before, before uh, you know, to see if we'll start trusting in Him, and oftentimes, if we're not careful, uh, we bad times will come in our life. Bad things will happen, and we'll we'll start cursing God. We'll get mad at God. We'll say, "God, why would you allow this to happen to me? What are you doing? Why would you Why would you do this?" And God is not doing it because He wants to hurt you, because He wants to cause you pain. He's doing it because He's trying to grow you, build you, build build your life. You know, I I, I like to. Uh, Think of this like a, a, uh, somebody who's doing self-defense. If you've ever done self-defense before, te- you, 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 you've been, been taught a lot of different moves and techniques, and one day you, you, you're about to challenge your teacher, and your teacher calls you forward, and you are really good with your upper body, really good with, with your blocking with your hands, you're good with all that, and your teacher knows that, but he knows that you're weak with your, with your stance, with your lower body. So he gets up there, and you're like, come on, bring it on, bring it on. And he comes up there, and what does he do? <laughs> Leg swoop, down on your back. And you get up, and you're like, oh, man, come on. Come on, teacher, you know I'm, I'm good with my upper body. I want to show you this. I want to show you how great I am with my upper body. And so, so he, um, you, you come at him at, he comes at you again. You're ready up here. <laughs> Sweeps down at your legs. <laughs> down on the ground you go. And continuously, over and over and over again. Until finally, he's not doing it because he wants to hurt you. He's doing it because he's trying to teach you. And eventually, you're going to learn. You're going to stand up on your feet, and you're going to learn, hey, I need to watch my legs. I need to look out and see that 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 swoop is coming, and I need to be ready for it, and you will. And God does that in your life. He allows these challenges. He allows these problems. He he allows people to come your way that, that don't doctrinally agree with you to not make you doubt what you know, But to encourage you to become stronger in what you believe. To to dive into scripture and to learn and to grow. He doesn't allow people that you love to die. He doesn't give them cancer to take them away from you to cause you pain. He does that so that you'll trust more on him. That you'll know that God has a plan and a purpose for everything in your life. And when you learn, when you learn to live a faith driven life. One that is fully focused on on faith in God rather than one that is looking for results, looking for God to to fulfill here or God to to prove himself there. If you're living a life that's built upon faith, finally it helps you to focus more on God. Helps you focus more on God. When we are focused more on the aspect of obeying out of obedience rather than gain, it changes our perspective on life. Now, I'll give you an example of this. Learning to obey out of obedience rather than obeying because you want to receive gain. I gave, I, uh, when my daughter, Ella, was about three years old, I, she, came, she was coming over here and I said, Hey, Ella, I want you to go and clean up all those toys. And she starts to run over there. She says, Okay, Daddy. And then she stops and she turns around and she looks at me and she says, Will I get a cookie? And, and I looked at her and I said, Will, I, what? No, you're not going to get a cookie. You're going to clean those toys up because that's what I asked you to do. Now, I didn't tell her this, but maybe in my mind I was thinking I might give her a cookie if she, if she obeyed right away. I was thinking that I would bless her if, if, if she obeyed without question, without complaints, and just went and did it. But she, she runs over there and stops and says, Will I get a cookie? And oftentimes, that's what we do to God. God says, Hey, I want you to teach in Sunday school class. Hey, I want you to go in the choir. Hey, I want you to go out soul winning. Hey, I want you to clean the church, help clean the church. And you go, Will I get a cookie? What's in it for me, God? And will I get recognition for this? You know, I guarantee you that that, uh, those who who have been cleaning the church, those who spend the time every week to come in here and clean the carpets, to, to mop, to sweep, to clean the toilets. If one day they just said, you know what, nobody, nobody gives me any, any recognition for that. I, t- people don't come up to me and, and tell me how great of a job I did. I quit. I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. And if, if, if everybody stopped cleaning the, the toilets and stopped cleaning the carpets and stopped doing it, I guarantee you very quickly people would realize that. And you, know, you would very quickly realize that the, the bathroom isn't clean anymore. Not clean like you normally would. People would go in. No, I'm I'm out of here and go go out. You would deter visitors. People would stop wanting to come because, because it gets dirty and it's filthy. And oftentimes we think, I don't want to clean the church. I don't want to do that. And we take it for granted, those that actually take the time to do it. But God blesses those who serve even in areas that other people don't want to serve in. God blesses you for that. And I like to, I like to uh, think about, about David. You know, David, a man after God's own heart. And I, and I, I oftentimes, I, I sit there and I think, man, I wish when I was 14, 15, 16, that I was like David. That, I, that God would sat there and consider to me to be a man after God's own heart. Man, I wish I, had the, I wish at that age I had the, the courage to stand up for what was right. To, to stand up and defeat a giant that was blaspheming the, the name of God, that was, that was mocking the armies of the, the living God. Man, I wish I was like that. But oftentimes we forget where David was prior to that. Where was David prior to that? He was watching the sheep. Have anybody in here ever watched sheep? Nobody's watched sheep. Okay, well, in New Zealand, we have like 60 million sheep in a very small country. So you might be flying over New Zealand, and you might be looking down seeing, oh, that's nice clouds and stuff. No, those aren't clouds. That's all sheep. There's sheep everywhere. Okay? And, and so we see sheep all the time, no matter where you go. Oh, there's sheep. Oh, there's sheep over there. And if you just sat there and stopped for a moment, just take 10 minutes and just watch the sheep, you would, you would notice something very quickly. Sheep are boring. They are boring. There is nothing amazing, nothing great about sheep. They just stand there, kind of walk around here, walk around there, eat some grass, you know, go to the bathroom, sleep, and that's it. That's their life. That's all they do. And sheep, not only are they boring, but they're, they're very dumb. They, they aren't smart either. They're not the smartest of animals and if you've ever seen a sheep, when they, when they sleep, they sleep on their side. Now, if you're ever driving down the road or you're, or you're walking by some sheep and you see a sheep on its back and it's like in the legs in the air, help, help me like that, and, and, and that's how it is, it's going to die. It can't get up. When they roll on their back, all the fat just kind of like flattens out like this and they cannot get up. And the only way for them to, to be saved is for the shepherd or somebody to walk by and roll them back up, onto, onto, on, back up on their feet. And then they can go along and they can join the, the flock and that. But what happens? That night, it's time to go to sleep again. And it goes, oh, I learned how to roll on my back. And it will roll on its back again. And it will keep doing that until either one day it just dies of starvation because nobody came to rescue it. Or it dies eventually from old age because the shepherd kept picking it up every single day. And so they are boring. They are dumb. And this is where David was. David is sitting there watching the sheep. He's got the job that all of his brothers and everybody thinks is the lowliest, dirtiest job. His brothers would mock and make fun of him and say, get get back to your sheep. You know, go back to that dumb job. And he would sit there. But he didn't didn't sit there and get angry at God, get angry and pout and and, and, and be angry at, oh, man, I got to watch the sheep again. He would take that time and then he would pray and he would read what little scripture he'd have. He would, write, he would write hymns, you know, sing, or write the psalms. He, he would sing praises to God. And one day, he's sitting there watching the sheep. And what happens? A lion comes. And this lion comes in. Most of us, I would say, at 14, 15, 16, that, that age, we would see this lion coming and we'd go, Yeah, you, you just have that. You just have that sheep. I'm going to go over here. I might run off. Maybe run back to the house, stand, stand as far off as we could, wait till the lion does, has his dinner, and then goes, goes away again. But David, he's like, no. This is where God's placed me. This is my job. This is my responsibility. So the Bible, Bible says that David actually ran after the lion. And it says that, that he actually took the lion by its beard and shoved the, the sword into the lion and killed it that's some incredible courage right there. And I, I, I know that he was sitting there, and he's like, God is going to help me with this. That's just the way that David was. He always relied upon God. And he sat there, and he goes, God help me. God's going to help me with this, this, this line. And I know he was nervous. But then what happens? He goes back, and he's sitting shot with the sheep, and then a, little, a certain period of time later, a bear comes. And... and he kills the bear. And I know that when he kills the bear, he was sitting there. Before he killed the bear, he goes, you know what? God helped me with that lion. God's going to help me with this bear. So he kills the bear. And then we see that when, he, when one day his father comes to him and he says, I want you to take this bread, this cheese cart, and I want you to take this to the, to the soldiers. So Dave, David's there. He's got this cart and he's going on and he's got me, you know, with a squeaky wheel, and he gets up to the, to the, the, the armies there and all of his, brother, his brothers come, the men come and they're like, what are you doing here? Get back to the sheep where you're supposed to be. You're not even supposed to be here. And, and they're all sitting there mocking, making fun of him and he hears Goliath. His, he, his ear hears this man that's mocking the armies of the living God. And he goes, who's going to stand up and defeat this man? Who's gonna, are you going to continue to let that man mock God? Mock you guys? Are you going to do that? And he was so, he was so overcome with this desire to, to protect the name of God, to protect God's virtue and, and strength that's going on here that he decides, you know what? I'm going to do it. Nobody else is going to do it. I'm going to do it. He says, you know why I can do this? Because God helped me with a lion and a bear and God will give me Goliath. And right now in your life, Every day we go through problems. We go through trials. We have hardships. We have all these little things that happen. But oftentimes we go through those things relying on our own strength. Trusting in ourselves. When God wants us to trust in Him. And God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. But we don't claim that promise. We, we, we try to pay our... our, our um, we try to do all of our bills, pay all our bills on our own. We try to, try to do all this on our own. We try to do all everything in our own strength. And when it con- comes time in, in all these small areas, and when it comes time for something ginormous, a brother dies, a sister dies, a best friend, something ginormous, we suddenly have cancer. If you haven't been trusting in God in all these small areas and you haven't been living a life of faith, Based upon faith, trusting wholly in God with your life, you're going to blame God. You're going to get angry. you're going to curse God and, and say, "I don't believe in you anymore. I don't trust you anymore, because you've given me cancer." What loving God would do that? And you wouldn't trust God anymore, because you haven't trusted Him in all the small areas. But a person that has been trusting God looks back and says, "My God is faithful." My God helped me in those areas, and He'll help me here. And you know what? If He takes my life, there must be a purpose for it. So I'm going to find that purpose. I'm going to be, I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be soul winning. I'm going to be being an example to people. I'm going to do all that I can because God is faithful. God has a promise, and I'm going to put my faith and trust in God. 1 Corinthians chapter 17, and we're, we're going to be finishing up here in just a few minutes. First, first Kings sorry. 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 17. And we're going to be, look at verse 8 here. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And we're talking about Elijah here. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for my, for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, "Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me. And after, make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel: the barrel of meal shall, uh, shall the barrel of meal shall no, not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth." And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Now, just to give you a little bit of context here of what's going on. Now, previous to this, prior to what's going on here, Elijah had had actually gone to... um, he, he had gone to King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And he told them, hey, it's not going to rain. It's not going to rain anymore because you have been worshiping Baal. You've been, uh, been sinning. And God is, God is saying, you need to repent of this. And it's not going to rain until you do so. And they, they laughed at him. And they mocked at him. And, and they sent him away. And that took great courage, first off, because anybody that any messengers, if you ever study history, oftentimes messengers that get sent to kings, and they, they bring things that the kings don't like. Oftentimes, what do they do? They kill them. Now, Elijah was trusting God. He comes and he delivers this message to, to the king and queen there. And, and, and he gets sent away. And then after a while, they realize, hey, this is actually true. This is it's not raining and it hasn't been raining. We need to hunt this man down. We need to kill him. So they're hunting after him. And God takes Elijah and he hides him by the brook chair. And he's there and life is wonderful. He's got water. He's got the brook that's there. He's got ravens bringing him food every day. And, 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 and all this is going on. But then one day, the brook dries up. The ravens stop coming. And Elijah could have gotten angry. He could have been mad at God and said, God, you told me to do this. I trusted you and, and everything was going great. And then you took it away. Why would you do this? But God had a plan. God had a purpose. And that plan was, was to take him to the city uh, Zarephath that we see here, uh, belonging to Zidon, to go there, to go to a widow woman so that God could prove, could, God could uh, show that this woman, if she trusted him, if she put her faith in him, he would provide for her if she would just obey. And if Elijah didn't obey, then this would never have happened. If Elijah didn't trust him, who knows where Elijah would have been? But God, but he trusted God. And if you if you kind of studied this out, a lot of, um, a lot of uh, scholars believe that Zarephath that here is actually the hometown of where Queen Jezebel's from. So God, in essence, is asking him to go to the most dangerous place that he could possibly go. Going back to the place where they are actually hunting for him. But he trusts God. He goes there and we see a great miracle happen because he chose to obey rather than say, God, you prove to me. You show me results. You show me You show me a sign and I'll go. No, God said, go here. And Elijah did. And maybe there's some people in here in this room that when, when God, maybe God's asking you to do something and you say, I can't see it. I, I, don't, I just don't know where that's going to lead. If I go there, what's going to happen? What's, what's going to be the results of if I do this? Am, am, am I, am I going to lose everything I have? Am I, what am I going to have to give up to do this? And we, 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 we worry about the details. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in here that are very detail-oriented. My wife is like that. She, when we, go, when we get ready to go on a, a road trip, she's like, okay. And she's got a list. I mean, pfft, this list a mile long. She's like, "Do we pack this? Do we pack this? Do we pack this? Do we pack this?" And then she's and then she goes farther to say, "Okay, where are we? Where are we going to stop to go to the bathroom? Where are bathroom breaks? Have we have we planned that? Where? You know?" And, and she's got all these things, and I'm just like, "Don't worry about it. Let's just drive. You know, let's go. And when we got to go to the bathroom, we'll stop and we'll go to the bathroom." That's how I am, and she likes to know the details. She wants to know the schedule, or how everything is, and I'm just like, "Let's let's just go." You know, And those are two different personalities, but sometimes people, we, we do that to God. We say, okay, God, I want to know every step, how it's going to work out, what I'm going to have to do, all these things. And God's saying, no, I've asked you to do this. Will you obey? What is your priority here? Will you be willing to die for a promise that you haven't seen fulfilled? You know, very, many, many missionaries get very discouraged. Because God's called them to a part of the world that is not very open to the gospel. And then some missionaries get sent to the world where, the, where people are very open to the gospel. Missionaries in these places that are open to the gospel, missionaries go there and in four months they've seen hundreds of people get saved, the church is establishing, maybe they've planted other churches, and then you go to some, of these, some places in the world, and the missionary's been there for 20 years, outdoor knocking, letterboxing, out on the streets, preaching to people, trying, compelling, doing everything they can, and they've got 20 people in the church. And if they lived their life based upon results, they'd quit. They'd give up. Because they they would look at all these missionaries of here and they'd say, I can't compete with that. I can't do it. And so many, I see missionary after missionary after missionary be in a country for a year, year and a half, two years, and then say, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And quit and go home. Because we live our life expecting results. But you see, God does not care about results, but obedience. God doesn't measure success based upon results, but obedience. And we need to change our mindset. To stop worrying about results. Stop doing these things and just obey. Choose to obey God. Will you do that today? Is that your priority? Is your life's priority to just obey God no matter what? If God says go, I'm going to go right now. I'm not going to ask questions. I'm not going to make complaints. I'm not going to give him stipulations. If he says go, I'm going. If God says jump, I don't even say, okay, God, how high? I'm just going to jump. What is your priority tonight? And that's what, I, that, that's what God wants you to think about. What is your priority?